Hey, you have to be nice to me. I gave you my cookie. You're making me record the podcast. You owe me a cookie. <laughs> Give me a cookie. Get you a cookie. Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life. Books and champagne. Brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And yeah. books are sexy. Hello. Amanda's gone today because she's off to California to see her sister's art show. So you get me, Rachel. <laughs> Shut up, Ellen. Um, so today we're drinking and tech. <clears throat> Lamo Brute Nature. Um, depuis six generations. I like nature. Nature's pretty great. It's pretty neat. Nature. Um, if you like nature so much, will you mow my lawn? That that's like hateful towards nature because you're like hurting nature with the electronic. I'm hurting nature with the electronic. <laughs> Or no, it's not. I'm going to get you a shirt that says, stop hurting nature with the electronic. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> There's no description on this. It's from France. It's dry. Amanda would approve. Um, it's method traditional. So let's pop it. Good job. I felt that on my face. I felt the pop. You felt the pop, the yeah. wind on your face yeah. from the champagne? I did. We're drinking out of plastic cups today because our shambongs are dirty and we're too lazy to clean them right now. Amanda wouldn't be lazy because she is a first class lady. I am a second class lady. <laughs> I'm in coach. <laughs> happy, find me in the back. Ha- happy to be in coach. <laughs> yes, I'm very content. Little leg room, plastic cups for my bubbles. It's all good. All right, Ray Ray, we've had a really busy week. Oh my gosh, has it ever been? We came off of Indie Bookstore Day and went right into the Spring Road Trip, which is the Midwest Independent Booksellers Association Spring Conference. And we were actually one of the bookstores that hosted this event. So this last week, we were attending the conference, but also playing a part in the programming and hosting Mm -hmm. and et cetera. So we are fucking tired. It's been a long May, and we are five days in. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, it's it has. a long May. In a good way, not yes. in a bad way. It's like a good tired. No, it's like that it's- exhaustion where you're so happy, but you're also happy it's done. I got home, and I face-planted on the couch at like five-ish, and I didn't wake up again until 11, and that was just because I moved from the couch to my bed. So <laughs> I've slept well the last couple nights. Yeah, I, it's like... I needed it. (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit today, sort of an extension of some of the conversations that we were having at Meba around banned books. But first, we have to talk about what we're reading. Ray Ray, what you reading? I am currently reading um, the Christina Lauren book that's coming out later this month, The True Love Experiment. So it is kind of a continuation of one of their books from a few years ago, and we actually have them coming later this month. So I'm really excited. Um, And we're getting Fizzy's story. So Fizzy was the supporting friend character in an earlier book. And the authors both had said, like, you know, Fizzy is our own main character. She doesn't need a story because she is the main character. But 
maybe even a main character needs their own story. And Fizzy herself is a romance author, and I just love it. Every single piece of this book. From page one, I was laughing, and I was reading it out at a restaurant, um, waiting for my meal, and I looked up because I just like, and I looked up at my boyfriend, and he was like, smiling, laughing at me because I just had this stupid, goofy grin on my face. <laughs> so you're on a date with your boyfriend and you're just ignoring him and well, reading the book? he was watching sports or the draft or something like that. So I was happy. So you've re- settled into your relationship and you're going to get oh, yeah. married because that's what married I people mean, do. I mean, I'm happy with They're it. They're like, we're on a date, but we're not paying <laughs> was, any attention to each other. It wasn't other. even like a full on date date. It was like spontaneous brunch because he had me out garage sailing at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. So romantical. <sighs> I was just, I was like, fine, I'll get up with you, but you're going to feed me. So I made him feed me. And That's fair. That is a book. precedent you should set early yeah. on in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But Fizzy is one of the best characters I've ever read in a rom-com or in a book in general. And so she's a romance author and she's been in a slump for like the last year, um, both uh, in her sexual relationships and in her writing world. And so this guy basically comes to her and is like, I want to make you like a reality TV dating show. So Ellen, this is right up your alley. You would love it. I love reality TV dating shows. Yeah. So she gave him. When you write in coach, that's what you enjoy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Headphones in. You're listening to the goods. But so he, she gives him like a list of the most absurd tropes of types of guys. She's like, you have to find these because she overheard him saying something pretty douchey, but she misunderstood. So she, she needs all the tropes to choose from. Yeah. But it's like she's narrowing it down to eight people and it would be, I want this reality dating show in real life. It would be. So like, what's best. an example? Um, oh God. Hold on. <clears throat> she's getting an example. I will say Rachel has been in a little bit of a reading slump, which we all get into from time to time. Yes. So it sounds like this book has pulled you out of it. Oh, instantly. Instantly, I needed a Christina Lauren book in my life, and they're usually like a good go-to for me to be happy with what I'm reading. So you've read all of Christina Lauren. How would you say this one stacks up in comparison? Is it like sort of exactly what you would expect from Christina Lauren? Is it a departure in any way? Um, so I text, so I always buddy read these books with my friend Pedro and I texted him and I said, this immediately is going to one the, the top of my list of their favorites because you're getting what you love, but you're getting more, um, into the fandom of romance writing. So you're kind of getting another mm. side to the story because they've been, it's a little, it's like romance in, within romance. Yeah. It's a little exactly. meta. Yes. And I okay. love that. Um, hold on. So while you're looking for that, this mm-hmm. reminds me of a cult idea that I had. Not sure if I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I think that sometimes cults can be positive. And I have this idea with my friend that we could create a cult, like mm-hmm. a sex cult, but it's like oh. a cult of women, but but we live in a mansion together and we just hang out all the time because we really like the sisters. And have sex with each other? No, oh. keep listening. Sorry. Okay. I mean, if we want to, I guess, but- No, the concept is that um, we're sort of like sister wives, but not like you get to hang out with cool women all the time in your mansion. And then you have this compound and you have like tiny houses around your compound and they house different kinds of guys, like (laughs) tropes of guys, like you were saying. And when you get in the mood, you just call on the one that you want. 
and you get it on. So and it then you, like you're so you sort of like pets. exactly you pay for their you know you pay for their housing, you give them food, whatever. Okay. I mean, that's so okay like trade. for example, you know you'd want like your mountain man guy. You need the plaid. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You would have your metrosexual. You would have all the hipster. Okay, yeah. just whatever you're in the mood for. And then they you they come, they service you, they go away, and then you hang out with chicks. <laughs> <laughs> that if sounds like are, a good compromise. If you are interested in this cult, <laughs> slide into Rachel's DM. What? No. <laughs> and clearly, it's obviously you that they dog-eared books. You have the whole and she plan. She will get you more information. <laughs> Okay, so I found some of the tropes that she said. Um, uh, hot nerd, mm. silver fox, daddy kink, vamp- vampire. Okay, okay. I mean, come on. I, um, silver fox I'm into. One that I still, well, I kind of get it. I think I get this one, but himbo instead of bimbo, it's a himbo. Oh, yeah, like so, a, just a dumbass. Not even a dumbass. Dumbasses have like, it's like where somebody... They're just really pretty. They're very pretty, but there's not a lot else going on. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, what the fuck are all of these things? So she's Look really it kind, up. She's kind of fucking with him. And I love that so much. Um, but there was like a huge big list. So that was just like so some of, of them. those tropes, which one would you most want to date? Ooh. Either a hot nerd or a silver fox. Mm, same. And my boyfriend is neither. <laughs> he's kind of nerdy. Yeah, you know what? I was just—he's a good-looking guy. No, I'm not saying he's not. Jordan, hot. Rachel said you're not. No, hot. I mean he's not like a nerd, like traditional nerdy science okay, okay. nerd. He's a nerd about things, but he's not like that cliche nerd. He will kill me if anyone who's listening to this tells him this, but my husband is both a hot nerd and, and a, a silver fox. fox. Yes, you're right. He is. He's like he's a good like Dungeons and Dragons. When I first started dating him, I was like, what the fuck? This guy is so hot, but he has no idea that he's hot. Like, he's <laughs> such a nerd. He had no clue how hot he was. And now he's he's gone mostly all gray, which he's a little bit self-conscious about, but I oh, like really? it. I think it looks really good on him. I find that so attractive. I so, do too. But, you know, everybody has their thing that they don't love. Yeah. What are you reading? I'm reading Hello Beautiful by Anna Napolitano. Oh my gosh, I almost grabbed that off um, my shelf the other day. Yeah. So I've been wanting to read it for a little while. Amanda's talked it up quite a bit. And I did read... Um, Anne Napolitano's last book, Dear Edward, which mm-hmm. was about the survivor of a plane crash. I read it early on in COVID. It was one of the first books mm-hmm. I read in lockdown. Yeah, that so, one was a big one on Bookstagram. I remember seeing it everywhere. Yeah, this is ver- a very different story. It's, it is not a retelling of Little Women, but it mm-hmm. is sort of a tribute in a way to little women it's You've about got the four sisters right yeah you have four sisters and they reference things about little women okay. but it's not a retelling of little women okay and it takes place in the 1980s in chicago these four sisters have grown up um in, in a relatively low income neighborhood in pilsen which we visited the bookstore in oh, pilsen yeah. when we were there so it's like oh yeah oh, i know that area <laughs> um and they are very close with one another. Their parents, um, their mother is like quite demanding, disappointed in their father. He's a little bit of a dreamer. Their oh. marriage is not a great one, mm-hmm. but they love their kids. And so the story starts when Julia, the oldest, and I relay because I'm the oldest, 
it, who's kind of like your oldest typically, right, is sort of like your high achiever, hold everybody together, like fix the problem kind of person. Mm-hmm. And she's very much that. And she's got a plan for her life. Like she's going to college, she's getting married, she's having kids, and nothing is going to sway her from that trajectory. So like the first guy she really dates in college, she's like decides I'm going to marry him and he's going to become a professor. Like oh. she's and he's a very he struggles with mental illness. He has this whole like backstory where he had a difficult upbringing and he's very happy to sort of be guided along by her. But they fundamentally don't understand one another. Mm-hmm. Like she thinks he's somebody that he's really not. So is this mostly her perspective or are you getting kind of? OK, so his name is William. He's a college basketball player, but he's out on an injury. Okay. And so they get married, have a kid and things go downhill relatively quickly. Like. He's suffering from major depression and she can't handle it and nor can he. Her um, sister, Sylvie, who's closest to her in age, comes to live with them for a while. And she and William do not have an affair, but they have she sees in him a lot of what she sees in herself that she feels no one else has ever seen in her. Mm -hmm. And so they have sort of this soul connection. Okay, And. Um, so the story is sort of like what will happen there, right. what will happen between William and Julia. Oh. And then the two youngest sisters, Cecilia and Emmeline, are twins. And Cecilia um, gets pregnant at like 17. Um, and then early on in the story, the girl's father dies. Mm. And the mother is like piecing out of Chicago. And so their whole like family life is sort of falling apart. And then how do they like hold their family together mm-hmm. when the four of them are coming, emerging into an adulthood and having their own like shit going on? I can see why Amanda loved this one. Yeah, it's very much Amanda's up her alley. I yeah. mean, four sisters is, you know, she's, Especially if you like listen to this, you know, twins. she's one of four yeah. girls. She has four girls. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so stories about four sisters are sort of her thing. Right. But it is just sort of that like, years-long family story about the ways that families sort of fall apart, come together, why it's worth holding on to, when it's worth letting go of, you know, just kind of the things we all struggle with when we're in relationship with family members, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, you're sort of stuck with those people. You're also not beholden to them, though. No, you're not. Just because, you know, I get that. That's such a struggle of genetics over relationship almost. It's both. Yeah. It's both. That's a whole interesting conversation for another day. Actually, Emily had it one time and it was really interesting. But we were talking about how like, you know, Emily who works here. Oh, I, I did. <laughs> You're like, hey, it's Emily. No, that's I was like, I thought you said Amelia. I was like, no, just about how like, you know, oh, I very yeah, much I, believe in this idea of like chosen family. Like you mm-hmm. didn't you should not feel like you have to have a relationship with someone 100%. who is toxic for you. Right. Yep. Or abusive in any way. At the same time, I do think like we shouldn't. We should we shouldn't write off our family members easily. Mm-hmm. No, and so anyway, it's kind of like that pull, right? Okay. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, as I have in my notes, banned books and shit, mm-hmm. and shit. and shit, because um, one of the things we've been talking a lot about with other booksellers at these conferences and things that we go to is banned books, because Iowa is certainly not alone. In this, you know, banned books problem. But one of the things that I find frustrating is that I feel like our discussion of banned books is not very nuanced. Um, and so Rachel and I were talking about this morning and we were like, well, maybe we should discuss this on the, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but what 
prompted me to think about it is I was ordering some magnets for the store and I wanted to get this banned books magnet that was like a stack of books, you know, with the spines. And it had like um, genderqueer, had the hate you give. It had the more modern, the modern like books that are being challenged right now, which, you know, is one thing we need to discuss. When we're talking about banned books, are we talking about, you know, the classics that have been banned? Are we talking about the books that are really in the conversation right now? Mm -hmm. Which are books primarily by queer, trans, and BIPOC people. Yeah, 100%. It's about silencing those voices. Mm -hmm. But um, in this stack of books was Harry Potter. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Because, you know, yes, Harry Potter has been banned. But J.K. Rowling Rowling is sort of vehemently and unapologetically transphobic. Mm -hmm. And so... It felt weird to me that it was placed like in a stack where genderqueer is right there. It's like feels a little tone deaf. And I've seen banned books displays that also like feature, you know, Dr. Seuss or like things that we know are problematic. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I wonder if our discussion has to be a bit more nuanced, like, you know, the reason that people want to take Dr. Seuss off the shelf is a very different reason from why people want to take genderqueer mm-hmm. off the shelf. And that those reasons are worth discussing. Exactly. And it is frustrating because you want something that's like, hey, look at these important books. But then you have something like those books right in the smack dab in the middle. And it's a it's a totally different level, as you were saying, like the reasons behind it are not nearly the same at all. And it's almost hurtful to include them in the same discussion. Yes, they're all banned books, but it's they're not the same type of banned book. Right. And I think that a lot of times when people think about banned books, they're thinking of like of mice and men or, you know, some of the older, like more traditionally mm-hmm. what we think of Fahrenheit 451, right? Mm-hmm. The bluest eye. Yeah, and those are great books, and they should be part of the discussion, but I think what's dangerous about this book banning stuff now is that it's super discriminatory. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the whole fucking reason that anybody's having the discussion. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep it centered there. Like, Mm -hmm. that is what is happening. But there is a a whole interesting, and you've probably seen it online too, Rachel, amongst booksellers, there's a lot of kind of disagreement about book banning and censorship and whatever. Um, you know, there is this heated discussion that comes up multiple times a year on our <laughs> on an indie bookseller private uh, social media page <laughs> about um, the difference between censor- censorship and curation. And so, like, you know, do you carry books that are like, say, if you have a politics section, do you carry mm-hmm. your Bill O'Reilly books as well as, you know, your Michelle Obama books? Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Will you order any book that a customer asks you to order for them? And some booksellers feel like, yes, we want to um, portray all perspectives and belief systems or whatever in our store. We're not going to censor what our customers read. And then other booksellers, which are more in line with how we operate, are sort of like, I don't have to carry shit that I think is harmful and I don't have to sell shit that I think is harmful. Mm -hmm. And is that censorship or is that me curating the selection that I'm willing to offer? It's not censorship, in my opinion, because they can go somewhere else to get it. They can get it. Yeah, I'm not advocating right. that those books be not. removed, period, from all places. Exactly. You're not putting 
power in place to stop someone from buy your shitty book on shitty Amazon. So that kind of takes me back. So like Ellen was mentioning, we did just come off of our spring road trip conference and there was a panel discussion about banned books. And Sarah High, who works for bookshop.org, she said something really great. So bookshop is, we use it. You can buy your books, but still support um, a local indie bookstore or even an organization or any other affiliates. I mean, I say support dog-eared books. So they profit share. I mean, you you could go be anywhere in the U.S. You could go to bookshop.org. You could say, I want to support dog-eared books. You can order a book to be shipped to your house and we would get a substantial cut of those It's like how Libro FM works, except we don't have to manage the actual shipping and handling of the books or the stock. And And it's really nice and convenient and a great setup for and bookshop.org really came to the rescue of indie bookstores during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I think if it were not for bookshop.org, a lot of indies would have went under. 100%. I hear so. from all the time from indies about how it is the most sort of easy income to have. But what Sarah um, said on the at the conference, I loved. She said that people were very upset. Well, I don't know if upset's the right word. Well, people weren't happy about the fact that Mein Kampf was available. And she said bookshop.org listens, they take it into account, and they will remove books if they are problematic books. And I thought that was a great, great way of saying it because she goes, you can go to the library and get that. If you want to get that, there's other places to get it. We don't have to support that book or so they don't carry it exactly they don't care you <clears throat> okay. cannot get that on bookshop.org and i thought that was great and so that goes back exactly to what you said it's not censorship you can get it elsewhere they do not want to align or have anything problematic problematic or harmful in their sock yeah i mean and- for us it's like kind of two-pronged like i don't um want to give a platform to rhetoric mm-hmm, that is exactly. harmful that will actually hurt people which is so so much not enough of what this conversation needs to be like mm-hmm. people it, this is not we're not operating in like theory here like people are getting hurt by these discussions it is harmful <clears throat> there's actual like it's putting stuff into legislation that is it's not just like the words are harmful themselves which they are but it's the fact that there are actual restrictions stopping people from being who they are and being able to read yeah, about Yeah, it goes in hand in hand. You can't talk about this book banning discussion mm-hmm. and not look at other legislation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the other aspect for me is like do am I a person of integrity if I am profiting off of bullshit ideas? Like I don't want to make money off of selling fucking Rush Limbaugh books, <laughs> that makes me a shitty person because those are not my professed values. Like, right. And, you know, I own my business and I have a right to do, to decide I don't want my income to come from shitty people. Exactly. Like, and I, I think that's super fair. Plus it goes back to what you and Amanda set as your business's statement. You are a business that is here to curate an inclusive selection of books and provide an environment for all readers. And when literature is out there that goes against that, why on earth would you ever bring it about? It's make it, that would be hypocritical. <laughs> there was one magnet I ordered this morning that said, these fuckers banning books don't read shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I don't really know exactly what the point of this conversation is other than like we, you and I were talking this morning about how we wish there was just a more nuanced discussion Mm -hmm. about book banning. Has this not been nuanced enough for you? 
how much further should we go? Keep this going. has been nuanced. Oh. I'm just saying, like, generally In the general speaking, discussion. like, you know, I think we need to keep it very centered on the mm-hmm. way that these discussions are tied to bigger picture things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And just because a book has been questioned or challenged, sometimes it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we should think about, do we really want to make that book as a bookstore accessible to people? Like, right. And sometimes it's, it, we're banning books in the service of harming others. And I don't want anything to do with that. But <clears throat> not all book bannings are equal. That's what I'm saying. And it's interesting what else you're doing around the book banning. Because, yes, we have those books. We dis- we don't display all of them separately because they're part of just like a collection of books. So pulling them aside isn't always the best thing. But we do highlight some banned books. And we have a continual um, card like postcard campaign you can write to your legislators we will stamp it and mail it for you so we're not just talking about oh this book's been banned it's a great book how harmful that is we're providing a space to do the work to actually argue against that and provide a safe space for readers to have access to those books yeah. um, Melissa from Dungeons Gate I loved what she also said on this panel how Um, she is in a super conservative area. Um, the school there made it through the banning process of banning genderqueer and she, there's no bookstores really in her town. And so she's, they do games and books and their books are fantasy sci-fi. It's a wonderful story. You should check it out. It's so cool. Melissa's awesome. I love Dungeons Gate. Jordan always makes me stop there every time we go on a grocery store. (laughs) My husband loves it too. (laughs) He's like, we're driving back from getting groceries. He's like, oh, you know what? We'll be passing by. I'm like, yes, I know. I'm already turning the car. Like we're going to Dungeons Gate. Yeah. But I loved what she said. So the school actually... Um, went ahead and banned genderqueer. And so as the only bookstore in that town, in her sci-fi fantasy primarily stocked store, she brought in genderqueer because Mm -hmm. besides the public library, there would be no other place for someone to access that book. I mean, of course you could shop it online, but in a store in town. And I love that that is doing actionable work to going against the banning. And you know, Dungeons Gate has taken, you know, that stand has be, like us is not shy about taking, you know, quote mm-hmm. unquote political stands. And I will say that I think it's a little more admirable even coming from them because, you know, they're in a community that's not, you know, that it is a different environment than ours. Mm-hmm. Like it's harder to do that in that community. And so if you're ever in Ankeny or you want to or, you know, if you don't live in Iowa, you should be checking out Dungeons Gate. Absolutely. Fabulous people. If you like fantasy sci-fi at all, the curation in that store is excellent. Plus they have a store dog, Olive, and she they is do. so cute. She's just a little, and my cat's name is Olive. Frenchie, and and we're dog-eared books. So, like, you know, like, it just yeah. makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. It makes sense. But, I don't know, I appreciate people who aren't just doing, like, talking, oh, banned books, yeah, that sucks. We sell banned books. Look at our banned books t-shirt. Okay, but what other, what other work are you doing? Yeah, how is it tied to, mm-hmm. like, great, you know, activism that you should be doing? Don't because just it's not, profit it's not, off it's not, of the banned books. Do exactly. the work. It's not happening in isolation. Like mm-hmm. people want to ban these books. They want to ban books about transgender people because they want to ban transgender people. Exactly. And they're that's trying to erase up. them. And you can't. They are there. Yeah. They are there. Oh, it's so fucking annoying. Well, <sighs> thank God the Iowa legislative session is now over. Yeah, but there's still two, like what? There was like 
30 some bills. Oh, they that are said, yeah, they need to be signed, but there's like two, like four made it and two have been unsigned. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's disgusting. It's, it's what been, it is. Uh, they've wreaked more havoc in this legislative session than they have in any other that I can remember. And it's super disappointing. But this is why we vote. Yup. And, and if you are not at the age to vote yet, or unable to vote, yeah. you know, like there's lots of ways that you can use your voice. Yeah. You know, pay attention. Don't forget that these things are happening. Yeah. Don't forget because especially if they don't affect you directly. Mm-hmm. Like I think sometimes it's easy to move through the world and say, well, this isn't my problem. Mm-hmm. It's not my family. It's not me. Whatever. i like, oh, that's so sad. Yeah. It's more than sad. It's. Yeah. Mm, because think about, you know, who you want to be. The type of person you consider yourself to be and Mm. are your actions in alignment with that. That's something that, and I'm not saying I am perfect at that. Oh, God, no. But that's something I think about a lot, you Mm -hmm. know, like. Definitely not a perfect person, but there's things at least we can do to try and better the world around us for those people who are being constantly attacked. So pay attention to the books that are being banned because they're Mm -hmm. about silencing voices. Number one, get those books, you know, read them yourself, give them to kids, like put them in little free libraries, whatever, like put those books out in the world, consume those books, but also recognize that those books are part of a bigger thing that's happening and make your voice and your actions noticeable in those areas too. Yeah. It doesn't stop at reading the banned book. And artists- Make some designs that are a book stack about banned books that don't have freaking Harry Potter right there in the middle. Because <laughs> we would love to have that in our store because people love to rep it, but we don't want to carry it because of that. It's so dumb. It's like. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, don't put it. Listen, a, I know. I, I love those books. I love the Harry Potter books. I've yeah. read them. I've read those books more than. I mm-hmm. never reread books. I read that series four times. And Only it, four. It breaks my heart that this has happened. You know, so it's not like I agree. You know, but I cannot look at what she is doing and, in good conscience, say, and with the sort of platform she has, and say that like I'm just going to get be ignore that. You know, like I can't do that. And I think even that what you and Amanda did um, in our store, we used to sell these like little Harry Potter bookmarks and little other merchy things, and have the set and. We had a woman who is a trans woman in our store as an employee, and sometimes it would hurt her just every time she had to ring something like that up. And so you guys listened to that. You got rid of the merch, and you put Harry Potter in the basement. If somebody wants it, then we have it for them, but it's not something that we need to have out on our shelves always. And I think that's a great way to make it a safe space for employees as well, and I appreciated that. Yeah, and I'll tell you too, like, I wasn't paying attention to like J.K. Rowling's Twitter feed, Mm -hmm. you know. And once it was called to my attention that this was happening, I started looking at it and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, and so. Turf alert. Yeah. So, no, I just, I think. And it's. You have to watch her actions and responses. I love her writing, you know, and her mystery series is, is one that I was really enjoying. It's just like. Uh, and that's it. a whole other that's a whole other discussion oh, of yes, like it is. artists from art and it is um but it, you know it is yeah well but stop being an asshole jk rowling jesus christ Ugh. 
It's like women are not being harmed <clears throat> by trans women. So stop fucking thinking that we have no space because a trans woman is in a woman's yeah, space. I mean, like I'm a cisgender woman and I consider myself a feminist and I don't feel like trans women are mm-hmm. like they're a part of the feminist movement. Like they're not a threat to feminism. Like what the fuck? Right. And why I, would you even think that? I had that discussion recently too, where someone's like, oh, well, why wouldn't they have asked a woman? And, it, and this is not about the Bud Light commercial, but it was about a different one. They're like, well, why wouldn't they have had a woman? Be I was like, well, they're a woman. And it's not just women who menstruate. So like they could have easily had a man in that commercial too, because it's not just women who menstruate. So, and I think it's just changing mindsets, yeah. listening, learning, educating, and accepting and acknowledging that you're traditional thought process that you may have learned is not right anymore well, or just, ever. Yeah, truly, and but, I mean, it just comes down to like mm-hmm. caring for your fellow human beings yeah. and the people in your community and mm-hmm. being a it's, loving person. It's accepting humility. Well, that was a good discussion and I'm glad that we had it because just coming off of that conference, that was one of the big um, sessions that we had and it's just growing and growing in conversation. Yeah. And I agree with you that we needed to get a little bit more into the meat of what a band book is. Yeah. And you know, this is not like easy stuff, you mm-hmm. know, but interested in your thoughts. So hit share. us up in the comments, DM us. Under your DM where you um, indicate interest in the cult, you could also <laughs> Give your thoughts about band books. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And send your applications for the cult here. Oh my gosh, I should create a Google form. (laughs) That would be a good use of my time. Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) Okay, so what, um, let's get. So we have some interesting things coming out this week. Okay. Tom Hanks wrote a novel, like the Tom Hanks. Everybody's grandpa. And it actually sounds like it might be kind of good. It's called The Making of Another Motion Picture Masterpiece. And it spans like 80 years. And it starts in the 40s. And there's this five-year-old boy who meets his uncle who has just returned from the war and who's like super fucked up. And he meets him very briefly, but it affects the little boy. And then as an adult, he becomes, he, he starts creating comics. And in his adulthood, he reunites with this uncle. And together, they create a comic book about the uncle's World War II experience in which the uncle is a hero, a World War II hero. <clears throat> and that's like in the 70s that they create this comic. It's not a big deal comic. It's just like a thing they do together. Fast forward to present day, a Hollywood director discovers this comic from the 70s and decides to make a major motion picture, like superhero movie based on this comic. And there's like this whole, you know, they cast the movie and it's a super eccentric cast of actors and there's egos and stuff. So it's like this whole, this relationship between the boy and his uncle, what the uncle went through and then how that story is made into a movie and the different personalities it takes to make it. It sounds, it's like an interesting Concept. It's a pretty original premise. I'm, I think I might actually try it out. Okay. And do you know, like, was there a co writer on this or what is it him? I think it is him. I don't believe That's there's so a ghost writer cool. on this one. So I love that. I'm hooked. I kind of want to see it as a movie, to be quite honest. Yeah. It's like, cool. I was just visualizing. It's one of those books that you start hearing the description of and you can already picture it in your head. Yeah. I think it's a neat idea. And it, 
I kind of love books that have to do with movie making in Hollywood. Like, I don't know. Some of my favorites do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ooh, we have, you can, one, you can discuss this one. Atalanta by Jennifer Saint. So I read Ariadne. Um, she is one of the authors that is just rolling out the really, really, really good retellings, um, Greek mythology retellings. So she also wrote one about Electra. Um, and this is a retelling of the myth of the huntress Atalanta. Um, she was raised by bears and was one of the only women part of the Argonauts. So, um, Electra and Ariadne have been really popular. These whole Mm -hmm. retellings in which, you know, you think about like the patriarchy, right? Even in mythology, it's very patriarchal. And so I love these women taking women and And she was left on a mountain to die. So I think it's Yeah, and making them the center of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a book called Clytemnestra that came out. Oh my God, yes. Holy shit, I read Clytemnestra when I was in uh, college and I loved Mm -hmm. Clytemnestra. So it's cool to see like sort of this reclaiming of these ancient stories. Yep. Stone Blind was so good recently. I just love it because women are so traditionally the bad guys. And like, or objects. Yes. You know, like, or like a we're prize the problem. To be yeah. They, they, it's their anger and their revenge that um, is so gross. I'm like, mm, you guys literally started a war because a princess decided they didn't want to be. Yeah. Married here's to another anymore, rant so. for today. You know what one of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves is? Ooh, tell me. I love when men peeve. say that women are emotional or oh. when people say that women are more, the more emotional. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's super misogynistic, but also, I'm sorry. Let's look at fucking facts. Who what starts war? wars? Look <laughs> yeah. at like rates of violent crime. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You don't get to call me fucking emotional. Who's the emotional one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you like domestic violence? Female partner because she didn't want to have sex with you. So that gives you the right to. Freaking destroys they, someone. You're emotional as fuck. Yeah, so but they sit just, down. They they're, they're stoic. So Stupid. Ooh, Midnight Library by Matt Haig is out in paperback, and so this I is that was already out in paperback. <laughs> nope, it's out in paperback. No, I know. No, you're. Right. I had to think about it too. That's funny. That's been one. Well, because we just sellers. moved it to the sale cart, so you're probably a little confused. The hardcover. Yes. Yeah. And only just it's because, because it's because, because the paperback because is coming the paperback. Out. Not because it's not still one of Champagne our top me. sellers. Champagne so, me what? Champagne? Champagne me, bitch. There we go. Thank you. Um. So which? Hold on. Pause on that. Shout out to it's it's a good thing. Okay. Shout out to we got Shambong bitch last weekend. And by the way, those of you who didn't come in Shambong me bitch, you're on the bad list. I did have someone come into the store this week, though, and say I was out of town, but otherwise I would have said, Shambong me, bitch. <laughs> Shelby. Shelby is one of our listeners. And since I'm on the podcast today, I'm going to just like, I tell every time you. Hey, Shelby. Hey, Shelby. Every time you message our account, I share everything you say with Amanda and Ellen. But I just want to say um, thank you for listening. Also, she said the next time that she comes in, she's going to have to do a shambong. And I wrote in a note to her because I shipped something to her today. Yeah. I said, make sure you walk up to Amanda and Ellen and say, shambong me, bitch. Oh, we and will die. We will love it so I know, much. But, but also message Rachel. Make sure that we'll be there. Yeah. L- double check on that one. Because but we would love to shambong with you, Shelby. I just thought that was so fun. So me... Pouring you champagne reminded me of that. 
I was listening to last week's episode. Oh, God. <laughs> last night. And I was driving my kids around. And they were like, what is this? What are you talking about? <laughs> that was how I felt when I, I was, was like, editing the podcast. That's what mommy does at work. <laughs> you don't um, like it? Shut up. <laughs> I was trying to edit that in between the conference, like breaks and stuff. And normally I listen to through the episode two or three times just to make sure I edit everything right and there's no like weird funkiness. I just did it once. I was like, this has got to be good enough. And it was just a pure chaos episode. It so. was a pure chaos episode. It was so fun though. Okay. Midnight Library. If you don't know the premise, the protagonist is Nora. She's been struggling with her mental health tremendously. She has a lot of regrets in her life. Um, she thinks a lot about um, what if I had made this choice or stayed in this relationship um, and so she tries, she attempts to take her own life and she finds herself in this sort of in-between place called, between life and death, called the Midnight Library. And in the Midnight Library, you can read the books of the, what your life would be like if you had made the decisions you regret not making. So like in her case, she was a competitive swimmer. So one of her regrets is that she quit swimming because she had potential to be like an Olympic swimmer. So she can read the book about what her life would have been had she stayed with swimming. Another is if she had pursued this band that she was in that was like experiencing some success. Another is a relationship um, that she didn't pursue or didn't stay in. And sort of the point of the Midnight Library is to say, no matter what life, whatever you know path your life would have gone down, it would have had joys and sorrows the same as the one that you have chosen. Like there is no path in life that is easy. Um, and it's a really hopeful book. Um, it's been one of our all-time bestsellers, you know, from the very beginning, finally out in paperback. And then the next one out in paperback is YA. It's called Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. It has an amazing cover. White is a trans author. And this is about a trans boy who escapes his cult that he was raised in. Not and this, the cult you want to have. No, my though. cult would not do what this cult has done. Good. good okay, good. so they infected him with this bioweapon that is slowly turning him into a monster. <gasps> oh. And in his escape, he finds ref refuge in this like group of queer kids, like this ragtag group of queer kids take him in and care for him but the leader of this group might there might be something a little bit more sinister happening in the meantime he's also like turning into a monster um this one was nominated for a bunch of awards um andrew joseph white i got to see him at a conference and he was like super fierce you know like he said this book is an angry book it's about the experience of being trans being a teenager and being in a world that like shuts you out and tries to you know, silence your voice. Oh, wow. Sounds familiar to what we were just talking yeah. about. <clears throat> and he's got another book coming out in September. I gave this book to my teenager and she really enjoyed it. Okay. What's popping at the store? What's popping at the store? Tomorrow is story time with Lovey and Amanda. Okay. Now you have to wrap the rest of it. That was not rapping. It was kind of. It was like well, white I, person I, if rapping. You, if you beatbox <laughs> it. If you okay. beatbox it. <clears throat> Friday, May 12th, that 5 p.m. Totally graphic book club discussing everything is okay. By Debbie Trump. Uh. And 
that's all that's happening. <laughs> I do want to um, share on the podcast that we are looking for sponsors for our youth book club. So they are currently reading Everything is Okay by Debbie Tongue. Debbie Tung. Um, for the Totally Graphic, we have two youth book clubs. Um, we always look for sponsors. It's eight books or 10 books, depending on if you do the good books, Young Troublemakers, or if you do Totally Graphic. And you're getting the books at a 20% discount. And it's just offering a really good option for kids to participate. Yeah, so you can sponsor a month. Yep. And the kids who participate get a free book. Thank you, Ellen. Thanks you always to stop you. me from rambling because I don't, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just clarifying. No, I you're think that's great. great I appreciate it. You're doing great, sweetie. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so the link will be in the bio. Um, the link is in our social media link tree on Instagram. And we'll be doing some posts about it as well. So please, if you have the, um, option of donating a month of the book clubs, or even if you're just able to share it with people, we would greatly appreciate that. It's a great, you know, if you know someone like who just likes to do, you know, once giving during Mm -hmm. the year, like it's a great thing Mm -hmm. to do. So, and I mean, I think you can save it for your taxes for the next year too, Yeah, if that's important for you. So all right, keep the the champagne, champagne flowing <laughs> in the books. You got to do that. Okay, keep, keep the, the champagne. champagne. Should we wrap it? Keep the <laughs> champagne flowing <laughs> and the books going. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> For ending. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. We did it. Done. I'm proud of you. Good job, Ray Ray. Remember, uh, subscribe like follow because you want to find out what's happening in dog eared books every single week yep and if you don't live in Ames you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books follow us at at dog eared books Ames or at dog eared books on TikTok all right listeners keep the champagne flowing and the books going this is so great it's so great <laughs>